Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you for joining us as always. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. I'm joined tonight by just Nick. Ryan is on vacation, so um, I will call him my less acerbic co-host this evening only. (laughs) How's it going, Nick? I don't know what that means, so I don't know if you just like complimented me or insulted me, but... I'm here. Um, you know, you could take it either way. You can look it up after. You can look it cool. up after. Well, I am officially. <laughs> you can follow the him long- at. Sorry, go ahead. Oh. I was just going to say, I'm officially the longest tenured uh, member of this show because I have not missed an episode, and you two have missed oh. two in a row. So I'm just saying, you got to step up your yeah. game. Yeah, that's true. Well, I won't tell you about the vacation I'm taking then in September. That's going to make me miss more time. But we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I'm going to Mexico, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, Not that I won't miss you guys, but I won't it, miss that If the Nats keep playing uh, the way they're playing, they're going to take a vacation in September, too. So, Yeah, it's a pretty good point. I might not want to talk about baseball by September. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, you can follow Nick and Ryan at DC Natchak, and you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Um, we are doing this for the DMV Sports Network, so you can follow them at DMV underscore SN, and check out the website at uh, dmvsportsnetwork.com for lots of daily content on all things DC sports. All right, so without further ado, let's get to it. 
um, since there is no Ryan with us this evening, Nick will be doing the week in review. So let's have it. I mean, yeah, after doing a smashing job filling in for you uh, last week, I've been promoted and I'm filling in for Ryan this week. So uh, I'll try to. Uh, Wait, now make I him think proud. I might be insulted. Promoted from <laughs> filling in for me to filling in for Ryan. <laughs> All right. So, official week in recap. The Marlins are 42 and 67. All right, and now it's time for everyone's everyone's favorite time, and I feel like this is like a hit sitcom, and the lead role has just been like recast, and the sitcom will never be the same, but I'll do my best. It is Keeping Up with the Mets. All right, Jeff McNeil went crashing into the new extended netting for an insane catch. Speaking of crashing and insane, the Mets did the unthinkable and bought at the deadline with the acquisition of Marcus Stroman who reportedly was so thrilled that he had not been traded to a contender that he threw a tantrum in the Jays' clubhouse upon learning of his trade to the Mets. Funny thing is, the Mets actually fleeced the Jays for the trade by only giving up their number four and number six prospects. Jays, what are you doing? But, of course, we made fun of the Mets for the idea last week, and turns out they actually did it, and it was a pretty good idea. But then they went full on Mets and refused to sell other parts of their team at the deadline by keeping Thor and Wheeler again, even though Thor has pretty much all but said he wants to be traded because he changed his Twitter bio to, I have no idea what's going on. Um, <laughs> but clearly it's working That's for the Mets. That's fabulous. I hadn't seen that. <laughs> yeah. Clearly it's working for the Mets, even though I'm sure they still have no idea what they're doing because they are nine and one in their last 10 and 15 and 6 since the All-Star break. So, who the hell knows? They are 55 and They actually and have to keep up with the Mets. Pretty Yeah, soon. I know. <laughs> On a, hey, that was pretty good. Look at you. Hey, thanks. You're stepping thanks. up your game, too. All right. <laughs> well, now we move on to the, I guess, third place, tied for second place, Nationals. The Nats continue to struggle as they have dropped another series. Since the All-Star break, they've played seven series and have gone 2-3-2 two, and two in those series, and 11-11 11 and 11 overall since the break. While Mike, or, uh, Max's timetable to return remains unclear, Strauss put up a strong July in one pitcher of the month honors, only to give up nine runs in four and two-thirds against Arizona this weekend, but on the bright uh, side, I'm pretty sure... Pretty sure he has more hits, runs, and RBIs than Zim does this year. But we won't talk about that. They are 58 and 53. The, I guess now second place Phillies still aren't good, but they're still more good than the Nats. Their shiny deadline acquisition, Jason Vargas, didn't deliver them a win, but they did find their replacement for Andrew McCutcheon as pitcher Vincent Velasquez played left field and threw out the go-ahead run at home plate in a 15-inning game against the White Sox which was actually pretty freaking cool because, I mean, it's a pitcher playing left field, throwing a guy out at home, and he was like, go ahead, run. It was awesome. I um, guess it didn't makes matter. sense, though, because, you know, he's, the, he's got a good arm. Yeah, Statcast had it at, like, 94.5 miles an hour uh, on the throw, which I'm pretty sure is harder than he pitches, but whatever. <laughs> um, but it did not matter, though, because they still lost the game in 15 innings to the White Sox, and they lost the series to the White Sox. They are also 58 and 53. 
The Braves made a splash at the deadline by acquiring all-star closer Shane Green from the Tigers, who, unfortunately, I was really wanting the Nats to get, but fear not, as Shane Green is helping out the Nats' cause by giving up four runs in just two innings with Atlanta. For reference, he gave up only five runs in 38 innings this year with Detroit. So, good job, Shane Green. They are 66-47 and and still seven games up on the Phillies and Nats. And since we have completed a month, I will take another step in Ryan's uh, lane and do the month in review. Mike Trout is tied for the league lead in home runs with 36. His previous career high is 41. So this game is just too easy for him, and Mike Trout is still underrated, which is crazy to see. Is this the first time he's ever led the league in home runs? Yes, he's never ha- never done it before, but... Like, people were saying that's, like, kind of the missing aspect to his game. And he's like, okay, watch this. And he's just, oh, this game is actually too easy. Then I'll just do it. Because I this can do actually, I want. It's actually too easy for him. It's it's kind of insane. But, I mean, he does him. And he's going to rot in Anaheim. But, oh, well. Still fun to watch. The Yankees made headlines at the deadline by acquiring the best Pitcher available on the market. Alfredo Garcia. Never heard of him? Really? Yeah, me neither. Well, it was better than the Red Sox who made actually zero moves at the deadline. So clearly uh, they have a a unique strategy at this year's deadline. And of course, I would uh, have to mention the Trevor Bauer and Amir Garrett of the world. Trevor Bauer and Amir Garrett did two things every pitcher and or player has wanted to do at some point during the career. Bauer responded to a poor outing against the Royals uh, after being pulled by chucking the ball 350 feet over the center field wall, while Garrett responded to getting pulled in a different way by charging the opposite clubhouse and rocking a Pirates pitcher with a strong left left hook to the face, much to the displeasure of boomers everywhere. Speaking of boomers, FP went on this rant saying how he mu- how much he respects the game. I guess all those uh, performance-hanging drugs made him realize that he took HDH and got caught for it. So clearly, FP respects the game. And uh, that is your month in review. All right. Well, I like it. Actually, that Trevor Bauer moment cracked me up. I thought it was hilarious. And I know people freaked out and got all upset about it. And sure, it was super inappropriate as a response getting pulled but I loved the moment if you watch the video when he does it and then he turns around and his coach actually says what the f is the matter with you and he's like yeah, oh, oh, oh sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, he's yeah, like immediately like, realized sa- what a bad idea oh, that was it, instant sad puppy like hung his head <laughs> and I mean everyone has been saying it but of course that was his last moment as an Indian and then yes. the day after he got traded he went back to the Indians game like I as a know. fan like nice. there's pictures of him so walking funny. through the gates like, because clearly he has no friends, <laughs> so he was just like, mm, he had a, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. He had an, I immediately regret this decision moment. We yeah, had oh, he's like, oh, I messed up. <laughs> and plus, it's, it's Terry Francona. It's not like some first-year manager. It's not like Davies or manager and you can get away with it. It's Terry Francona, who's like one of the most, like, decorated managers, especially in recent oh. history. <laughs> so even Since Trevor Bauer, no, who's, uh... yeah. Even Trevor Sorry, Bauer, who's very notorious for uh, doing crazy stuff like that, yeah, he clearly even he couldn't get away with it. 
No, there has to be limits somewhere. But I thought it was hilarious. I had no dog in that fight because I don't care about Trevor Bauer or the Indians, but I just thought it was hilarious. And I do think that if it had happened like 50 years ago, everybody would call it a classic moment instead of acting like he was terrible for doing it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was funny. The game needs to be entertaining and that kind of stuff is entertaining. Yeah, I mean, if he did that in, like, the minor leagues, they would have, like, made him go and got the ball. It's like, hey, that's, like, $7.50. Go get that ball. <laughs> like, and that, that would have been Or you don't it. get to eat tonight. That's the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you did a great job and filled in admirably for Ryan. Nice. Thank you, thank you. I, I try. I mean, like I said, recasting in your favorite sitcom, but it's all right. I did my best. Yeah, exactly. Just did our best. And that's all we can do. Okay. Let's move do. on and talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. So there's been a little more ugly this past week than there has been in a while. I think we were all getting real comfortable in our the Nats are kicking ass and taking names, and lately not so much. Um, they've lost was three series in a row now. Uh, yeah, I believe it. It's After three today? series in a row. Yeah, I think it's three series in a row. Yeah, because Arizona, Definitely Atlanta, and so the Dodgers. Yeah, not good. They got within. What, three and a half games of the Braves, and now it's back to seven. Yeah, three and a half, four. Yep. Not not great. But there's still some well, good. what is good is Anthony Rendon, who is just having a year for the ages. And it's funny because he's, you know, much has been said about his personality, and he, he doesn't, you know, promote himself, and he just does his job, and he's not flashy, and all of that is true. But the numbers he's putting up right now are certainly flashy. In his last seven, he's slashing 370, 438, 593 with 10 hits, 10 homers, 12 RBIs, and a 1.8 OPS. Hot damn. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he's not necessarily marketable, but like we've said before, he neither is Mike Trout, and Mike Trout's pretty damn good. I mean, point being, if you're a good ball player, you will get noticed no matter what. I mean, yes, the marketability helps, but. People definitely, definitely are paying attention to Anthony Rendon, and especially because he will be a free agent at the end of the year, uh, as you alluded to with those comments. And he has comments basically saying, like, the Nats have had six years to extend him. So now that he's getting to the point where he can test free agency, why the hell wouldn't he? Which you can't blame him. (laughs) Yeah, you can't blame him whatsoever. Uh, no, and I have zero faith in the Nats re-signing him, so yep. they just signed I his replacement in TJ Rivera, interested. so, yeah, yep. just signed his replacement. Yeah, he, and uh, he's going to be gone. I think it's like a 99% chance he's not a Nat next year, which just sucks so much. But, you know, he's and, been here yeah. forever. They could have extended him at any time. And at this point, he's not only had a career year, but seeing the other guys who have signed extensions already, He's going to be the yep. premier free agent in this year's class. There's no reason why he should sign at this point, unless they offer him unbelievably stupid money, which I don't see them doing. Yeah, yeah. If we can just segue for a little bit, I mean, he definitely, as, as far as position players, he is the name, the only name. I mean, Marcelo Zuna kind of, but Rendon's kind of tier one, the top tier, and then Ozuna's kind of a step down. It's uh, still very good, but a step down from Rendon. And that's it. There's really not much else you're going to get from this year's free agent class. So Rendon's going to get a lot of attention from teams other than the Nats. And I hate to say it, but I really do think that 
the Phillies are going to sign him. Shut your mouth right now, Adam. Shut your mouth. They just optioned I Michael Franco cannot. to AAA. They just optioned their starting third baseman of the past like two and a half years to AAA. Uh, I don't follow the Phillies enough to know what they're doing lineup wise to replace him, but they clearly have a need and they have the cap space because they only paid for Bryce this year. And as like the, even though Bryce set the record for 13 days, I mean, it's still semi reasonable. It's only like 25 or 26 million a year. So they have the space to play with. I, I think that's a, a legitimate I I option. I love the Nats to pieces, and I don't think I'd be able to quit them no matter what they do, but I swear to God, if they let Harper and then Rendon go to Philadelphia in back-to-back years, they're going to test my ability because I do not think I can deal <laughs> with it. I, can, I already, and I got to tell you, I you know, I was just a big Bryce fan. He was our guy and all of that, but personality-wise, I never liked Bryce as much as I've liked Rendon. Rendon is my favorite. I've been wearing his jersey to games for three years. I love Anthony Rendon, and if he goes, I won't blink because the Nats have mishandled it. But if he goes to Philadelphia, I don't think I can deal. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't wish him to go to Philadelphia by any means, but, I mean, Philly, not, I mean, the Nats have shown they're not afraid to make a move. Like, obviously, the Max signing and, uh, like, I mean, the Strauss extension, etc. At the same time, like, when they need to make a deal to, like, solidify something, like, free agent-wise, they don't really do it. I mean, yeah, Max, yes, obviously, but there's been so many more opportunities, most recently Bryce last year, to just, like, make a splash and make a statement, and they just get outbid or they just aren't strong enough with their, their pursuit. So, I... I just don't see any possibility of Rendon. I mean, obviously there's a possibility, but there's not a strong likelihood that he resigns. He's going to have suitors everywhere because he's having an insane year. And I mean, Phillies, Texas is a a very legitimate landing spot. And who knows what other teams coming out of the woodwork um, and jump at the bit to get Rendon because he's still very good. He's going to have a very robust market, but I think you're right. They, they don't, seem to have any problem signing free agents except their own free agents which is so weird. yeah that's a better they way of putting it other people's agents but they just don't sign their own and, and i have to say in retrospect that while i was gutted when bryce signed with the phillies you know i i, I still think that 330 million dollars is too much for bryce and i think that mm-hmm. both sides are going to regret that no opt-out deal that they signed and i hate that he's there and i hate that the Nats lost him but if the signing him would have taken what the Phillies gave him. I, I think I'm glad they didn't do it. But I mean, like, know. yeah, we we can talk about Bryce all day, and we'll never come to a conclusion. But yeah, it, it's tough committing 13 years to a guy who really has had one standout year, and every other semi standout year has been shortened due to injury, and the other years have been very average. So, like, I get that, but. I mean, we saw literally like two, three days after he signed, like his jersey sales broke the record and like the guy's marketable for that aspect alone. I think that contract will pay itself back or at least to a point where you're okay with what you're paying him, all things considered. Um, But Rendon, 
Yeah. Um, and with the Nats free agent, like, history, it's like the free agents, they do sign their projects in one way or another. Like, Rosenthal was obviously coming off Tommy John. Dozier had a very down year last year. Like, Tony Sip has been up and down. Like, they've never, again, aside from Max, because Max, like, he's excluded from all of this because he's freaking Max Scherzer. But Max is like, Max. There's no, he, he yeah, Max is Max. Category. But the Nats just refuse to, like, s- strongly pursue and or sign sure thing free agents or as close to a sure thing free agent as you can get. Like, they've had plenty of opportunities. They've been linked to plenty of guys who would have been well worth the contracts that they demanded. But it's like we go the cheaper route, and sometimes it works, yes, but other times it bites us in the butt. And yeah, I think there's it's just, just like a little, another list. Clever for themselves, you know? They sometimes they, they yeah. get these steel reclamation projects and they work out great. And you're like, wow, that is an awesome signing. But more often than not, what happens is, you know, something doesn't go right like a Rosenthal and you know you mentioned Dozier is that relief pitcher Brian Dozier that you're talking about yeah yeah twerking relief pitcher Brian Dozier yes exactly twerk instructor and relief pitcher Brian Dozier who despite his, struggles this, despite his struggles this season I have begun to like in spite of myself I, I find him hilarious so well uh, yeah I mean field has been Issue has had issues. He certainly seems like personality-wise, like a real likable guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I like that. There's like, because every clubhouse needs some sort of spark, and sometimes it's someone like giving that inspirational speech, rallying the troops, and sometimes it's someone to just like lighten the tension, lighten the mood, like Dozier and Parr are trying to do. But yeah, I'm. I'm Sometimes just still a having a tough time getting on board. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it it's maybe it's just like the manner he's doing it, it's just like okay, you're weird. And like I can't go on that, weird, but I mean sure, it, hey, if it works, it works. Exactly. He makes me laugh more than anything. All <laughs> right, so that was a long the good we did there. Um let's talk about the bad, which we touched on. Well, we had to um, we had before. to expand the good because there's so much bad. It's true to balance it out. Um they yep. are 3 Seven in their last ten, during which I might add the Mets, who are only three games back at the Nats now, are nine and one. Correct. Um, yep. The Nats are three and seven in their last ten, and eleven and eleven since the All Star break. So you know they had a really outstanding month, and feels like they're coming back to earth a little bit right now. Yeah, I mean, a three and seven happens like even the best teams, Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, they'll they'll go through stretches like that. Ten games is a relatively small sample size in terms of a whole season. So I'm not too concerned about that. I mean, three and seven could just be the schedule. We put, we did play the Dodgers and Braves, who are the two top teams in the NL during that stretch. So it happens. What's more, what's more concerning to? Oh, thank you. I'm I'm very good at good points. Um, what's more concerning to me is the 11 and 11 since the break. Yes, Max has been hurt and we haven't had him, but if he obviously he contributes so much to the team, but for us to be a legitimate playoff contender, we need to be able to survive in games he doesn't pitch because obviously he only pitches every fifth game. We still have four other games during that five game stretch that we need to compete in and do well in. But obviously, 500 doesn't get you anywhere. Um, 
in terms of playoff contention and we've lost ground and I don't believe we're in a playoff slot right now. I mean, we're the Phillies have caught up to us at this point and the central's playing a little bit better and, and the West is still hanging around. But I mean, the 11, 11 since the break, while not terrible, will sink us if we don't improve on that. Yeah, we talked earlier in the year about while they were in the midst of that terrible swoon early was they had to play 600 or better baseball for the rest of the year to think about a playoff spot. And they have for quite a while. But if they get back down to 500 or worse baseball, then that that's going to be a thing of the past real quick. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to not be so negative all the time as we were like when we were 19 and 31 at the start of the year. But it's not all rainbows and butterflies as we've like been uh, like spoiled with in May and June in that well late May, June July with the the nice stretch we were on like just like with players there's positive and negative regression so there's um, like obviously we started very cold we got hot but this eleven and eleven five hundred stretch that we're on might be like where we are as a team like that might be sometimes we'll we'll play better than 500 sometimes we'll play below 500 but when it comes down to it we're a 500 team and that that just might be reality and we're seeing it right now so who knows i hope that once we get healthy and let's actually that's a perfect segue into the ugly which is the injuries we've had right now you know early in the year we were all very um upset about the way they performed and very negative about their chances. But when they got healthy, all of a sudden they went on that hot run. Right now they are not healthy. Obviously Max is the the big one that everybody's talking about being gone, but you know, he only plays every fifth day. Um there are also Kendrick has now just gone on the IL. Elias, the new reliever we got, has gone on the IL. Zim has been gone. Venters has been gone. Hellickson's been gone. Austin both is gone. So for the pitching staff, we're pretty decimated when you think about it. And as far as you know, the, the the people we're counting on to play every day. I mean, Zim obviously hasn't been a real factor for the whole year, but Kendrick has been a huge spark plug for this team. Last two years. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, true. And Kendrick, you could say the same thing about he uh He's been a really important piece. He's a utility guy, so he doesn't get a lot of attention. But I think him being gone for some length of time is going to be a real problem. Yeah, I mean, he... Obviously, Rendon has been consistent and great all year, but you could really argue that Kendrick was like our first half MVP because he was so unexpected. Um, Like we knew what Rendon was and obviously what he could be, but Kendrick was just the wow factor that we sorely needed in the bad times and obviously uh, in the good. Um, But he's been not so great his past... uh, few weeks or so he was i believe like the bad or the ugly last week um and so maybe this il stint is short but also exactly what he needs to get yeah. his mind right get his swing right and uh i wonder I mean, if whatever he, he's older vet, he, need, he needs days off for a while <laughs> right yeah it could be a nagging injury or it could just be like a ghost il trip to get his mind right whatever it may be uh i think as sucky as it is to lose him it might be a good thing yeah if he can come back even better i think that's a good point and you know we were talking about with their, their oh, record yeah. yeah go ahead yeah and i i do have to mention that uh 
I mean, I'm just saying, if the Nats were in the AL, you wouldn't have Elias pulling his hamstring running to first base. So well, it's almost like pitchers hitting is a stupid thing. Yeah, I disagree with that, thing. but I do think if you had a manager who wasn't a moron, he wouldn't have been hitting either. So I think you can avoid that. Well, I mean, Davey would be less of a moron if there was less on his plate, and there'd be less oh. on his plate if we had a universal DH he and pitchers didn't need to exact... hit, and you didn't have to like make no. decisions every inning. He'd be the exact same amount of a moron. Just saying. We might just see a little bit less of it, but I think the answer is get a better manager. Well, not yeah, that, make that's a marginal worse. improvement. Marginal make... improvement. You get a better manager, you don't make baseball worse. Which is what AL baseball is. It's worse. Yeah. It's not baseball. it's not it's not worse. It Clear, is. Statistically AL baseball is better. Statistically it's they, a, whether it's better yeah. or worse is an opinion. It can't be statistically proven. No, it can be statistically proven if no, you pull can't. up stats. What you can pull yes, up stats that say AL there's more hitting, that doesn't better mean numbers. it's better. Better numbers, better records. Like, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me because I wasn't prepared to get into this because it's really not an argument. Like, the universal DH is better, but it's not. Whatever, you can be wrong. It seems to be like I could be wrong, but I'm not. All right, moving on. Let's talk about our new Mm. bullpen guys since we just talked about all the injured guys we've got. So they went and got three new arms, which actually surprised me. Remember when we talked to uh, Sam last week or two weeks ago, and he talked about how he thought one was the most, you know, most likely thing they would do is pick up one arm or maybe none. But they went and got three, and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, obviously I wasn't involved in the discussions, but if I had to guess, Rizzo was working multiple deals at multiple times, which any good GM should do. You shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket and hope that it comes to fruition. So I th- it seems to me like he was working on Hudson and Elias at the same time. Both are were deals that he was comfortable making. And then he kind of just like, inclu- it seemed like Hunter Strickland was like a last second inclusion. Um, I mean, he pitched Strickland. That is he like pitched the uh, opening series in Japan for the Mariners got rocked and has basically been on the DL ever since. He just came back July 28th, so there really wasn't much there to examine. Um, So it seemed like a throw-in, but, I mean, two scoreless innings from the Nats so far, so... Yeah, and honestly, with his 6-2-3 ERA is an improvement over most of the bullpen we had before the break, so as sad as that is... I mean, since he's come back, he's thrown three scoreless, so... Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I mean... Three scoreless, 4.1 innings, like, overall. But his whip was only .46, which I don't understand how that makes sense. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, it is what it is. Somehow his ERA is that high and his whip's only .46. Yeah, that is a weird combination of things. Stats are weird, man. Stats are weird. Yeah, okay, so speaking of Hunter Strickland, how weird is it that Hunter Strickland is a bat now? Uh, yeah, we officially have Bryce Harper's son on the team, <laughs> which I guess is like the closest you can get to Bryce Harper. So, I mean, that works. Someone yeah. said he should wear number thirty-four, though, which I love Bryce still, but I would, love I would that. have respected Hunter Strickland so much if yeah. he had worn number thirty-four. I don't know what number he ended up choosing. Serious, but... serious troll dog. Oh if he had man! That. Oh man! It would have been so fun. I mean, it, it, like, it would have completely blown up in his face if they had faced each other again and Bryce had another tater off him. 
Yeah. So that would have sucked, but it would have been funny in the meantime. Exactly. And, it, you know, it could be funny. I don't care about his uh, his uh, his failures that much. If it comes to Bryce Harper, that would just be amusing. But, yeah, it's hard to – I'm going to have yeah. a hard time ever really rooting for or liking Hunter Strickland just because on Bryce's behalf I had a very healthy hatred of him for quite a while now. So it feels very odd Same. to see him in a Nats uniform. Very odd. Yeah, it it'll just it just feels wrong. Exactly. But I mean, if you can like get the job Bryce done a at a better uniform, rate feels. than what we had, yeah. yeah. Speaking of wrong, but whatever. But I mean, we did get Hudson and Hudson and Elias Hudson. Uh, this is combined with his two three appearances that he's had with the Nats so far. But six and three with a two nine eight ERA in forty eight and a third innings pitched with a one point two six WHIP. And two saves in 46 games. And Elias, prior to going on the injured list, four and two with a 3.59 ERA in 47 and two thirds innings pitched with a 1.22 WHIP and 14 saves in 45 games because he was the Mariners' closer uh, for the majority of the year. And Strickland, in addition to the stats we mentioned, had two saves. Somehow he had two saves in like three appearances for the Mariners. So, I mean, maybe he's getting it done. Yeah, but, maybe so. No, I mean, both of those guys, I mean, yeah. being Hudson and Elias, are, I mean, clear upgrades over the options we already had in the bullpen. Although pretty much anyone would have been an upgrade. Right. But it's still yeah, odd that, that, that freaking race is still a not. Oh, they made such a terrible decision by DFAing SIP and keeping Grace. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand it. There wasn't. Like, yeah, SIP has been used in more, like, specialized scenarios this year, but that's kind of what you signed him for, too. He was supposed to, he was like a dying breed being a loogie, but um, that's, you knew what he was when you signed him, and uh, I don't understand why you would essentially pay him to go pitch elsewhere. Like, he's hasn't been great, but he hasn't been as bad as Matt freaking Grace this year. Yeah, I just so, can't understand any as conversation. As DC Natchek said, Matt Grace clearly has incriminating evidence on the learners because right. he's somehow still on the team. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know how any conversation went down in the management offices that involved, like, well, whatever we do, we can't DFA Matt Grace. Like, what in the world has he done to earn <laughs> yeah. a spot on this roster? It's insane. That one's it makes crazy. zero sense. I do not get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I... and. Yeah, zero sense. But I mean, Hudson, I said last week on our trade deadline preview, he didn't really move the needle for me, and that still reigns true. But I'm still glad we got him. Yeah, um, like I'm not denying that. Uh, but I, even if you couple Elias in there, even though he's hurt now, it's not a bullpen fixer. It's at best a band aid for a bullet hole. Um, like Hudson has been good, but he's been shaky throughout his career. Some of his career, he was a starter. So take that for what it is. And Elias, he's got his ERA down to a, a respectable three, five, three, six, but at times it's been up to like a four seven Yeah. and he started the year very hot and it was like mid twos, but he's been all over the place. Yeah, he has, and but I have 1. to say 1.2 for each of their whips is fine, but. Yeah, I have to say that with Not Elias, great. having another bona fide closer, somebody who can handle that role on days when Doolittle's unavailable or if something happens and Doolittle gets injured or, you know, whatever, having another guy who can be a closer, 
I, I think is a hugely important pickup. And of course, now he plays one inning and he's injured. It's just like the most nuts thing ever. But I'm just hoping he's oh, going to yeah. have a short stint on the IL and he's going to be back and able to pitch soon. I think it was a hamstring on his non-push-off leg, so I'm hoping yeah, it's not going to be out for long. Yeah, it just depends because hamstring length, hamstring injuries are tricky. So yeah, we can hope, but uh, can we just talk about Doolittle's comments? Like he was glad that reinforcements are on the way because he was overworked. I mean, what Doolittle the pitched hell? seven innings in all of July. Yeah, I don't get this. Like if this was narrative. after like May, yeah, because Doolittle was like pitching every game or at least warming up in every game and not being used. He was essentially pitching every day because Davey would have warmed him up and not give him a real day off. Yep. But Doolittle pitched seven innings in July. How many times was he up in July what, out of the game? 22 games. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but still seven innings in 22 games-ish. Yeah. Like not, you had the yeah. all-star break, which Doolittle had off. So, yeah, there definitely was an overworked narrative at the beginning of the year, but that's kind of been reeled in since then. <laughs> but he needs – I love Doolittle, and don't get me wrong, like, I do love him, but, man, he just needs to keep his mouth shut at this point. Yeah, there are like, times where I that, feel like he needs just, to just keep pipe down a little bit. Right, yeah, yeah, time and place are everything. This was n neither the time nor the place for those yeah. comments. Agreed. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about the deadline in review, take a look at what everybody did. But before we do that, let me remind all of you lovely listeners that we're doing this for the DMV Sports Network, and we are part of their library of podcasts. They have shows about all the local teams, so be sure to check them out. You can get them wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, please be sure to leave us a review and interact with us online, on Twitter. We always really appreciate it. All right, so let's talk about the deadline. Um, we just talked about what the Nats did at the deadline, and all they got was bullpen help, which was fine with me because while other things would have been nice, like really their glaring weakness is their bullpen. So I wouldn't have liked to see them waste one bit of resource on anything other than bullpen help. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously those three bullpen arms are all we got, and like you said, that's perfectly fine. We did all we gave a four prospects in both deals because the Elias and Strickland deal were uh, announced as one singular deal. We gave it four prospects, but they were all pitchers, which are the I prospects mean, least likely to wind up in the majors. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, they were all. I mean, one guy was up in. Oh wait, maybe two guys. No, no, no. One guy was up in AAA this year, but the rest were high A at, yeah. at most. But, I mean, still all pitchers and the fact that other teams wanted them, clearly there's something there. So, just a little wary. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But as bad as the Nats are... As bad as the Nats are at developing pitchers, if they're going to give up prospects, truly as terrible as it is, I'd rather they give up pitching prospects because I don't think they're going to develop them properly anyway. And I'd rather get some That's a fair point. help that we can use right now than, you know, potential pitchers in the future, which we probably will screw up anyway. Right. Like we got Hudson for Kyle Johnston, who's just a high A pitcher. Um, he wasn't ranked. So I, I mean, that I think that's a win. That's a good trade. I don't think that one will. 
I don't think he'll ever make the majors and that trade will never come back to bite us. Um, the Elias Strickland deal, we gave up, uh, Elvis Alvarado, who's some pitcher in the Gulf Coast League, uh, Taylor Gilbo, I think um, who made it to, yeah, something like that, uh, made it to AAA and was the Nats number 15 prospect, but he did have a 2-3-1 ERA combined with AA and AAA this year. So yes. I don't know why we never saw him in the majors, but I mean, it seemed like he was doing pretty well this year. And then Aaron Fletcher, who was uh, the Nats number 21 prospect and a double A right-handed pitcher who, I mean, projects what projects well in the future, but I don't know if that'll ever uh, come to uh, fruition for anything major for the Mariners. But I mean, I think it was a good deadline. Obviously we addressed Rizzo addressed the, the most pressing need. Um, obviously hindsight's 2020 with Kendrick going down and, we probably could have used a bench bat uh, to be better than Adrian Sanchez or whoever else was on the bat on the bench. Um, but all in all, you can't be too disappointed. And I still think they're under the luxury tax. They are somehow, which is crazy. So, yeah. And I guess the question yeah. we can ask um, is what were those moves enough? And I would say, were they enough to, you know, basically, like you said, Band-Aid on a bullet hole for the bullpen. Yeah, I think they probably were, and the Nats will probably win some more games down the stretch than they would have if they hadn't gotten those new arms. But I don't think it's enough for a, a real run this year. I mean, they, they just weren't willing to go over the right. luxury tax, and that's what it would have taken. So yes and no, I guess, is the answer to are these moves enough. It's enough to help, but it's not enough to make them a real contender. Yeah, like I mentioned uh, before that I really want to Shane Green, um, but the Tigers would not come off of Carter Keboom for Shane Green in any deal with the Nats. And so I, I completely understand why uh, the Nats didn't trade for Shane Green. Um, but if you look at the Braves haul, like I've said this before, if you put the Braves next to the Nats, both teams completely healthy, they're probably a push. They're pro- like yeah. They're probably even maybe a slight edge to either team. But then if they're basically even and you look at the deadlines, the Nats got these three, Hudson, Elias, and Strickland. Well, the Braves got Shane Green, Chris Martin, and Mark Melanson. And some of those are just named, like, obviously we remember Mark Melanson from a few years ago. and He's not the same pitcher, but those th- I'll take the Braves three over our three for deadline acquisitions. The, yeah, the, I mean, agreed. the Braves definitely had a better deadline so if you ask if this is enough i i'm gonna say no but obviously compared to what we had before anything's better than what we yeah, had it's definitely it just an makes improvement. zero yeah it just makes zero sense to me that we have these three shiny new toys to play with granted allies is on the dl now i hope whatever but fernando rodney's still the eighth inning guy yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, Why? we talked ad nauseum before the deadline about how they should sell, but they're going to be buyers and blah, blah, blah. This is just another perfect example of buying just enough to be mediocre. I mean, or better than mediocre. Maybe, you know, somewhere between mediocre and really good. But they're not great, and they're not going to be able to contend with the, the big guns in the league. And they're not going to beat the Dodgers with those acquisitions we just made. You know what I mean? Like. It, they didn't set us up for yeah. a World Series run. I mean, and if we they, might not be, we might not beat the Braves with those acquisitions. Yeah, exactly. But they certainly aren't. To me, it was like we talked about. If you're gonna go in and try to make a run at it, then great. 
do it. But if you're, I think this team, if you had been willing to blow past the luxury tax and actually buy for real at the deadline and go for it, this team has a ton of talent. And if they can get healthy and, you know, get hot going into the stretch with a bunch of new, you know, a bunch of new, um, bunch of new players acquired at the deadline, that would have been awesome. But if you're not going to do that, which we all knew they weren't, why do what they did? Why improve marginally instead of selling and, you know, setting yourselves up for next year. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, I just don't get it. I don't really understand the reason why you're going after rentals. I thought any deal they would have made or should have made would have been for someone, would have or should have been for someone who's going to be around for longer. But I'm just happy deals got done. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, to Rodney's credit, he has a 329 ERA in essentially the same amount. Yeah, in his he's pitched. Oh well, let me back up. Uh, before he came to Washington, he had a nine four two ERA in seventeen games, fourteen and third innings pitched for the A's. Wow. He's essentially matched that. He's pitched fifteen games and thirteen point two innings for the Nats, and has a three two nine ERA. So night and day in his two teams this year. But he's not an eighth inning guy anymore. Yeah. I mean, Not at if anything, you should be like, all right, perfect. He's been like a perfect bridge as the eighth inning guy. We can slide him to the sixth, seventh inning guy or seventh, seventh inning role and slide in one of the, any one of these new pieces in the eighth inning and we should be better set. But for some reason, they're leaving him in the eighth inning. And I don't think because, that's a good idea. Davey. And I have to say to Fernando Rodney and also Davey. Tom. Fernando Rodney and also Tom Brady, I would like to say as a 42-year-old, I appreciate them repping the 42-year-old crowd as well as they do. <laughs> That's fantastic. Tom Brady's just signed his contract extension today. That's insane. That guy is like ageless. I loathe yeah. the New England Patriots with the fire of a thousand suns, but damn, that guy is like, oh, that's he's Ryan's just a team. legend. Ryan loves the Patriots. Of course he does. Well, Tom Brady doesn't eat strawberries, so clearly that's the key to a, a long, successful life. Is that life. the problem? Damn, I, I eat a lot of strawberries. That must be my issue. No, it's actually funny. He, like, hates strawberries. If you mention strawberries around him, he gets, like, legitimately mad. It's kind of funny. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, so I guess the consensus is, no, these moves were not enough. And I'm actually very impressed by what Rizzo did. I think that getting those three guys for essentially – no maneuverability. I mean, he had no money to spend. He had no yeah. room. He did a good job with what he had. If if the charge to him was improve the bullpen with, with you know, a stick of gum and some rubber bands, then he yeah. did it. But it, it just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, don't really. go over this. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah, I'll always take a, a GM who's willing to make moves over one that isn't ma willing to make moves. So. Which segues us nicely I mean, into the team's which team's yeah. deadline surprised you the most, good or bad? I'm going to go with a GM who doesn't like to make moves in the Red Sox. Like, what happened there? That was surprising. Because, yeah. I mean, yes, they are very middle of the pack this year, and they don't look like last year's team, even though they're, they are last year's team minus Craig Kimbrell. Um, but for a reigning World Series champion to not only not buy like not buy or sell but to do nothing yeah, is so very surprising like like this question asks um i i just wow yeah um i'm going with the obvious answer the cop-out answer with the mets uh <laughs> that was so like, funny I, 
it's surprising that they bought with Marcus Stroman, but when you saw the trade and they only gave up their number four and number yeah. six prospects, neither of which were in the top 100. And isn't yeah, Stroman I mean, controllable? It, it, it How long? It was an opportunistic trade. How long do they get him for? for? I believe it's two yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, to give up almost nothing to get Stroman for two years, I, if you have that opportunity, I don't yeah, know how you don't do it. Yeah, neither of those prospects were top 100. It was a very op- opportunistic trade. So, like, credit to them and credit to BV Dubs on that. But but, but why I is the question? I still don't know. What, yeah, yeah. Like, there's why in the terms of, like, why would you buy? Because those prospects easily could hit the top 100 if you give them a little bit more time and development and would subsequently have higher trade value. But also, I mean, yes, as great as they're playing in this stretch and since the All-Star break, they still have a long ways to go to solidify themselves as a playoff team. And you know Thor, no, Syndergaard doesn't want to be in New York. No, he and does you know not. Zach Wheeler's trade value is decreasing by the second. And they Zach Wheeler has been like profiled as a trade candidate for like the past five years and yeah. they've never traded and they've him. never traded him so and this like, year i could have seen them doing? trading trading wheeler and center guard and just blowing it up and starting from scratch you could have gotten a haul for those guys and instead you stand pat right. on both of them and get marcus stroman it just doesn't make any sense yeah like they easily i mean yeah trading center guard and wheeler would have been felt but like you said they would have gotten a severe haul for them and if you still do the Stroman deal, you have a good rotation with DeGrom and Stroman as your one and two. And then even Steven Matz, when he's healthy, is a pretty good number three. So, like, they would have been fine. And, you know, it's a but, hard media market. I mean, the which only is, pitcher think... they traded was Jason Vargas. I know. I think that in New York it's hard because those guys are under such a microscope and the fans there are so unforgiving that, you know, you're always on the hot seat for your job when you suck. In, in New York City, but this year they're already there. You know what I mean? Like this would have been the perfect year to blow it up because it's already to that point where right. it's just a total disaster. So I just, the idea of keeping both of those guys and then acquiring Stroman, I mean, the, the Stroman thing is, I think is a no brainer. I don't know how you don't do that, but keeping everybody else was a head scratcher. I don't get why they would do it. Yeah. Like uh, the only thing I can think of is because they were so aggressive with their moves and they're buying guys in the offseason that they didn't want to sell at the first deadline after those moves and basically admit that those moves weren't worth it. Um, they're still trying to live under the, the guise that they are a contender. And who knows? I mean, they're only the three games wild back card of in the, the NL is completely wide open. Yeah. yeah, the NL East is crazy. I mean, everybody's so. back at the Braves right now, but... You know, all it would take is one bad stretch by the Braves for it to get real tight at the top. And the Mets are only three games back of the Phillies and Mets now. So the NL East is suddenly looking very different than it did a few weeks ago. Yep. Faux show. Faux show. Okay. So how about who do you think had the best deadline? Another easy answer for me. And my bold prediction for the deadline last week was that the trade deadline would be boring. and. I still think that was semi-true, but it was a lot more true until the Astros pulled yeah. off two moves at the deadline. The or Astros at the buzzer were my answer, to just too. Absolutely 
blow up the deadline. Obviously, they got Zach Greinke. Or I was going to say, obviously, they got Aaron Sanchez, who, I mean, not not a big name, but he had the ER. He was the ERA, had the ER title in 2016 and injuries since then. But putting him in that organization with their advanced stats and analytics and spin rates and all that stuff, like we've seen guys like Justin Verlander is a legitimate Hall of Famer. And they were like, we'll take you. And we'll make you better. You're yep. a Hall of Famer. Well, you're going to be a better Hall of Famer. It's with crazy us. And what we've seen they've that. been able to do. Same thing with the Zach Grinky deal. They are taking a Hall of Famer and they're like, is Justin Verlander and Zach Grinky are essentially the same deals like two years apart. Yeah. Nobody wanted Verlander's contract. Everyone thought he was done. Astros are like, we'll take you and we'll take your contract. We're going to make you better. Nobody wanted Zach Grinky's contract. Uh, contract. Yeah. He is having a, a pretty good year. Like he has a high two ERA, which is, I mean, very good. I'll, I'll take that, but clearly not the dominating pitcher he was when he was winning Cy Youngs in the early decade. But the Astros are like, we'll take your contract when no one else wants it. And we're going to make you better. We don't care about the absolute haul we gave up to get you. We are going to go all in on this year and make you better. And we're going to have yeah. one of the fearsome, trios of starting pitchers probably ever to be put on the same roster like yeah, it insane. is insane it so, is insane and big i think winners that leads me into my what i think is the biggest one of the biggest losers anyway there were a lot of good options for this one like who had the worst deadline but uh i don't know what arizona is doing like why would you give up why would you give him up like you're only two games back <laughs> of the wild card right now and the wild card is anybody's game in the nl right now it just is insane that they did that. I was so shocked. I know we had a hard contract yeah. and all that, and you could, you know, rebuild and be better next year, but you had a legitimate shot at the playoffs, and they just essentially giving him up was giving up on your playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I get why they sold, especially because, like, when I saw what the or the um, Diamondbacks got in return for Zach Greinke, I was like, wow, they got a haul because they got the Astros, like, number Two, no, number three, number four, number 11, and, like, number 17 prospects. Yeah, that was a good haul. Like, they were very high-profile prospects, and they got out from Grinky's contract, which, not as it's not so bad right now, could easily get worse down the road, just because, obviously, that's what happens with long contracts and older players. Right. It's a higher risk towards the end of the, the contract. Don't listen, Max. Um, Don't listen. So I see why they did it. <laughs> I see why they did it, and that move kind of inspired them to make a little couple of other minor moves, but then they also bought at the deadline too. They got Caleb Smith, I believe from Miami and got Mike Lee from the Mariners. So it was kind of sort of like what the giants did. The giants didn't want to say they weren't contenders, but they didn't want to necessarily buy at the deadline either. So they made kind of middling moves. They bought in some areas sold in others and to basically reshift uh, their teams. Like the Giants got out from under Mark Melanson's contract, so win there. They yeah. acquired Scooter Jeanette, so win there. The Diamondbacks got out from Zach Grinke's contract, which was, wasn't was a bad contract, but, I mean, frees up money uh, to spend elsewhere in the offseason. Um, and they also bought, like I said, so I don't know. It, it's weird, but... 
I mean, Mets, Giants, Diamondbacks, they're all kind of weird with what they did. Um, but the biggest loser for me is, again, the easy answer is the Yankees. Like, the Yankees have been missing and striking out left and right for so long now. It's they crazy. They didn't they really used do to anything be in the offseason. The destination, well, you know? Yeah. I mean, even, yes, they got LeMahieu, who's, if in a Mike Troutless world, could be an MVP candidate. Um, and he's having an insane year. Ottavino obviously is having a good year, but. I mean, those deals only happened after those two players didn't really have a market elsewhere. So, like, they kind of just fell into the Yankees' lap. But like you said, the the New York Yankees were one of the premier destinations for free agents and for uh, making things happen at the deadline, and they've just been striking out left and right. Like, every single pitcher in their rotation had an ERA above four, so clearly you think, hey, we should probably go out and add a starting pitcher. And they missed on every single one. I mean, it's just crazy. Like, look at the Astros. The Yankees and the Astros were the two best teams in the AL. And, like, that, it's just night and day. Well, they were the best two, two teams, deadlines. but the Astros are loaded for bear at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Oh, I yeah, the the – I mean, you could argue that the World Series runs through Houston. Now they they are locked and loaded. I saw a an article that said I think it said something about the Yankees are here to or the Astros are here to be the next Yankees. They don't want to just win a World Series; they want to win five World Series. Like they're they're here to they're here to stay. They they seem like they are legit and they want to be a dynasty. Yeah, I, I think it was the same article. They were like. Oh yeah, the the Astros are trying to be the new team you hate, and they don't care. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, that was it. That no, was the they're argument. not. They're 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 just trying to win a World Series. Right. Like I mean, it seemed a little bit overblown. And they? what's uh, what's also insane to me, and I mean, you look at other like big rotations, like even the Nats, for example. Yeah, Strauss was homegrown, but Max and um, Corbin were freed in signings. The Astros' big three of Verlander, Cole, and now Grinky were all acquired via trade, which is just wild. It is. Absolutely wild because no – I mean, the Tigers didn't want Verlander. The Pirates thought Cole was a lost cause, and the or the Diamondbacks didn't want Grinky. And the Astros yeah. were like, thank you, yeah. and took them all They're and like now the, have the island of misfit the toys down there. The, probably the best <laughs> rotation. Yeah. But they're not misfit toys. They're no. just unappreciated at their previous locations. Well, that brings us insane. into our our next topic, which is if you look at the best rotations in baseball right now, the the three best ones would be the Dodgers with Bueller, Kershaw, and Ryu. The Astros, obviously, now that they've got Granke with Berlander, Cole, and Granke. And the Nats with Max, Strasburg, and Corbett. So who do you think is the best of the three? Oh, well, if you're going full rotations, it's definitely the Astros. I mean, Aaron Sanchez, who I mentioned earlier, ERA title 2016, has had a loss 2017-2018, rough year this year. But his <laughs> his first start with the Astros, his very first start yesterday, Saturday, he goes six scoreless, not only scoreless, zero hits, and the next three relievers for the Astros keep that going, and they throw a combined no-hitter. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going top to bottom, it's Astros far and away. But for this 
exercise the segment. It's just the big three. So you have Nats, Max, Ross, Corbin, and then the other two. Uh, I I love Max, Ross, Corbin, and at the beginning of the year that would have been my answer. But the Dodgers, obviously Kershaw's Kershaw, Bueller, everyone kind of saw coming after his great year last year. But Ryu has been insane this yeah. year. He's like a one six six ERA, and like his WHIP is like sub one. It's just insane, and he just went on the IL as well. But uh, all reports are saying he's only going to miss one start, and then he'll bounce back. And then obviously we we've talked about the Astros at length at this point. So I'm going to say the Astros are number one because not only of the current situation, or the current um stat lines for those three guys, but also the pedigree is insane with Verlander and Grinky and then Cole obviously had great years with Pittsburgh prior to a rough stretch and then obviously rejuvenating rejuvenating his career in uh in in Houston. Um but number two, this is tough for me, but I am going to say the Dodgers. Um I think there's a little bit more consistency there and I it's just I I I can't find anything wrong with them <laughs> really. And then that leaves the Nats third, which, I mean, obviously I will take our big three over 27 other teams' big three. Yeah. <laughs> it's just when you put them against the Dodgers and Astros, it, it's tough to compare. Yeah, and, and it is. Uh, when you Max look at... Sorry, go ahead. probably is the best. I was just going to say Max probably is the best pitcher of those nine, but he's hurt right now. Uh, but if even when he's healthy, he's probably the best, but... Strauss and Corbin just aren't as good as the other supporting casts. If you can even call them supporting casts, you put them on any team, they're probably the ace of that team. But yeah, that's the thing. Just, All nine of it's these just guys fun to, to look at. are legitimate aces, you know, and very few teams have the luxury of having yeah. three aces on their staff. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd probably go Astros one, but I think I'd take I'd take the Nats big three over the Dodgers. Just if all things being equal, if they're all healthy, if you're looking at everybody at their best, I feel like Strauss at his best is as good as any of those guys not named maybe yeah Scherzer, i mean just Verlander. look at his july his yeah. july was insane yeah and I, mm-hmm. you know i think that getting all three of them to be at their best at the same time would be amazing i i don't think this year we've really had that it feels like one or the other of them has been carrying them no we have at different times but if they were all healthy and pitching their best at the same time i think i would take them over the dodgers yeah I, I think I do like the Dodgers just a hair better because you have two lefties with Bershon Ryu, and that's just seemingly a, a slight upgrade over yeah. all righties or uh, just one they lefty. They sure do have a lot of lefties but of course, on the I Dodgers. Rank, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, of, of course I, I rank the Astros first, and they're all, the big three's all righties. So, right, I mean, exactly. So there's no consistency to, to your how, argument. How good the Astros are. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, I just contradict myself. All right, let's move on to our Twitter questions for this week. Um, we've got two Twitter questions. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter questions. Um, we've got two from <laughs> Twitter questions. Yeah, something like that. Um, at B Wagner sent us two this week. Um, the first one is: Should Zimmerman use up a roster spot if he returns soon? And this is an emphatic no from me. I think the time has come. If should he the answer is no? Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, what they ought to do if they want to save face is just keep him on the 60-day 
as long as they can, and then figure out some way to bring him in for a game and let him play third base and get a yeah, round of applause. Yeah, farewell and then game. I, I love you, Zim, but it's time. It you can't. We it, especially it, not it in a time. in a stretch run where they're trying desperately to get a wild card spot. You can't waste a a spot on Zimmerman. And if he's on the roster, they're gonna freaking put him at first base every day. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, he he deserves his uh his farewell tour. So uh, Alexa, play graduation by vitamin C. <laughs> All right. Our next question from B Wagner is the Nat schedule seemingly gets easier come August. What is your confidence in a strong finish? That's a great question. Uh, About 50, 50, which is the Nats record in the past 22 games. Okay. So you think there's a 50, 50 shot. They finish strong or they fade down the stretch. Correct. Okay. I'm going to Because that's what that the Nats they, are. They are 500 team. If I have to make a prediction, my prediction is that they, they finish stronger than they've been in this last little stretch. I think they finish better than, I think they do better than 500 once the schedule eases up a little bit. So 510? Yeah, maybe 550. I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to play the way they did before because it just feels like with all the injuries they're dealing with right now, I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up that torrid pace they were on. But I also don't think they're going to get 500 or worse for the rest of the season. Well, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but do you think the Nats make the playoffs? You know, honestly, at this point, I, I would have said two weeks ago, and I did say, I think, two weeks ago that there was still a chance for them to catch the Braves. And there was, but they've squandered it. At this point, they're not catching the Braves. Mm-hmm. So they're in the thick of things for the wild card. And I think they very well could. I think there's mm-hmm. probably, if I had to percentage i'd say there's like a 63 percent chance like two-thirds that they make the playoffs they're good enough to yeah, do it if they can I, get i don't healthy. remember i don't remember what Fangraph said but i i think of all the wild card teams the nets were like the first or second most likely to make the playoffs and i don't i don't know how that percentage is and what algorithm like, they're using to calculate it or yeah yeah what they use to to get that um but I mean, clearly the the numbers like the Nats. I, I say no just because of, I guess, recent history, if anything. Um, I, I think when we are the best team, it's just because we're the best team and not because we're actually the best team. I don't know if that made sense. It did. But I, I just think it's because, it, it, it's just because like, we're like playing well. It's not because that's actually who we are. That well, I don't sense. know. To me, I, I so, just think that how you're playing uh, is who you are. You know what I mean? At any given point, I don't think any team is the same team all season, or rarely is the team the same all season. It fluctuates with the the difficulty of the schedule and what injuries the team's dealing with. And... Right. No, no, I agree. But like that, that's also kind of what I'm saying. It's not like I don't think we're necessarily a good team or a legitimate contender. I just think when we're playing well, it's just because, like you said, it's because people are healthy or because of the schedule, it's not because that's actually that we're a team built for success. Yeah, I think that if they make the playoffs, and I think there's a pretty good shot that they will. I would say if I had to say yes or no, just in a binary, will they make the playoffs? I'd say yes. But if they do, I think they're either losing the wild card game or they're going out in the first round if they get past the wild card. So you know, they're not. They're just if not built for a deep run this year. Right. If it's us traveling to Chicago for the wild card game, who wins? You know, you put Max on the mound in any game. I mean, 
the game five, the last time they were in the playoffs, accepted, obviously. But you put Max out there, I'd take him against anybody. I think that he gives you a chance to win any game. That's fair. That you play, and I don't think... But then you just said you thought they would lose the wildcard game. I said they could lose it. I don't know who they'd play. You know, I have to look at the standings. And see no, you said you said I think they lose the wildcard game. I said game. they either the lose the wildcard game or go out in the first round. Were my no, 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 no. That you is said, exactly I think... what I said. Check the tape. I said verbatim. Yeah, I'll check the tape. Right. I'll check the tape. They either go out in the first no, round or not verbatim. lose. Unverbatim. 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 Not verbatim. Unverbatim is not a thing. No. <laughs> Anyway, I just made it a thing so no, I think tape. depending on they could go out in the wild card, they could maybe make it out of the wild card game and into the first round. But I just think the bullpen is not good enough to compete with the best team, and frankly, the the uh, lineup's not good enough. I mean, it, there are times when they put up a ton of runs, but they're not consistent, especially now. Yeah, and in a long series, the best team yep. always wins, and I just don't think the Nats have what it takes for a deep run this year, unfortunately. Okay, well, that's yep. depressing. Okay, at one lovely lady C, pal <laughs> of the show, said, do you agree with Riz and company trying to acquire a fifth starter at the trade deadline? Were they trying to acquire it? I mean, I didn't think they were seriously. Yeah, they, the reports came out afterwards that they had a deal on Tuesday night, which was the 30th. And it kind of just fell through. We don't know any more details than that. We don't know what team. We don't know what players. Um, but they were trying to acquire a pitcher to fill in. I don't know if it was the fifth starter or just a spot on the rotation. Uh, cause obviously Joe Ross is filling in for Max, but Joe Ross is our number one starter. He is not Max Scherzer. Um, but yeah, believe it or not, people. So would you um, rather they had gotten two bullpen arms and a fifth starter, or do you think the three bullpen arms was the better play? Um, it's a good question. I do think that three bullpen arms is the better play because at this point you're just throwing three arms against the bullpen wall and hoping at least two of them stick. Um, whereas if you're only acquiring two bullpen arms or one bullpen arm, the likelihood is uh lesser when you're trying to make something stick, and. Max will get healthy at some point, and, I mean, Ross, he'll have a bad start one day and have a good start the next. So, I mean, between Ross, Fetty, both McGowan, who the hell ever, Hellickson, someone if he will ever, fill ever, that ever fifth starter. Back. Hellickson, if we can find him, he's still missing. If you have any... uh any tips uh, on his whereabouts please call please the call center the, for missing and exploited children his family is <laughs> his family is very worried about him so please we need your help heaters to find jeremy hellickson um someone will fill that fifth spot so i do think they did the right thing and focused yeah on the i agree i would have i mean if if we had you know plenty of money to throw around or plenty of prospects because we had a deeper farm system then sure go get another starter because we clearly don't have a great option there but the bullpen was the glaring need, and that's what they that's what they needed to take care of, and they did. So, I'm glad that whatever they had cooking on Tuesday night didn't work out. Okay, uh, at H- unless it was a trade for Zach Greinke, then I wish they would have done that deal. Yes, <laughs> unless it was for Zach Greinke, <laughs> then that I would just have to throw it out there. That would have been better than Hunter Strickland. <laughs> 
All right. I mean, I in mean, some people's mind, I don't know. I mean, yeah. just say it. Just say it. Okay. At H Rooney eight said, uh, which deadline acquisition will have the biggest effect on the team's second half success? That's a good question. What do you think? I mean, I I said this even early in this episode that Hudson doesn't move the needle for me. Like, yes, he's a very welcome addition to the team, but I don't think I would necessarily, like, be super content with him in the eighth inning role. Same thing with Elias, because he's all over the place, and even though he's seemingly uh, experienced and well-versed in the closer role, I wouldn't trust him, certainly, to close games, let alone the eighth inning. I think the, I'll say, potential to have the biggest impact is Strickland because we essentially got him as a throw-in for that deal. Yeah. And if he can pitch to a decent ERA and his .46 whip, yeah, that'll be pretty freaking good. It will, I mean, but he's he was such a wild the Giants. Oh, no. I mean, all of these guys are. None of these guys are proven reliable commodities in the relief market but that's who we have that's who we got so i gotta choose one of the three yeah um but i'm going biggest potential for surprise in strickland because he i mean he was named the giants closer of the future way back when never really turned into anything but there is potential there so if he can stay healthy and have command i mean he has the stuff for sure so i think the I'll, I'll kind of pivot on this question and say the biggest potential for uh, uh, the best effect on the team will be Strickland or is I think Strickland. I could agree with that, but I, it, to me, the question reads, you know, who will have the biggest effect? And I think it would be great if Strickland can round back into form. I think it's going to be Elias. He has the, who has the biggest impact. I just think the fact that he can close games and do little for one, there are some nights when he's not available and, and two, I, you know, I love Doolittle, but he's he's getting oh, hit nights, around. Considering he's so overworked, so overworked. But no, he he's getting hit around a little bit. And I have said for a long time that his the fact that he pretty much only throws a fastball worries the crap out of me. I feel like there's going to come a time where that fastball ain't getting it done all by itself. You know, and you you need to have somebody who can who can be an alternate closer. And closing isn't just about your stuff. There's there's something of a of a psychological component to the pressure, I think, of being a closer. And a guy who has done it and can mm-hmm. do it, you know, he's got 14 saves this year alone. And while, you know, the Mariners are terrible, it's still, you know, coming out to save a game is coming out to save a game. And I think having another another starter, I mean, another uh, closer who can who can come in and do that for you is going to be the biggest the biggest impact of the three arms that they added. Well, as the resident expert on pivoting on questions, like you should be giving me zero flack for pivoting on this question. Uh, that wasn't flack. That was just a, a making a point that I was reading it a little differently than you were. See how that's done politely? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure. So you, you don't have to do mm-hmm. that. No. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, you're just a boomer who gets uh, offended. You know, by I swear everything. to God. Sorry, Ryan told me to say that. Ryan told me to say that. <laughs> That's Don't okay. ask him. That's he just okay. told me to say that. I've got three children, so I know better than to be upset by their shenanigans. All right. <laughs> so we're going to move on to everyone's favorite part of the week, which is the worst tweet of the week. And it is a doozy. Can I get a drum roll, please? <clears throat> <laughs> nice. 
Okay, so this is at VA Readjuster 89. VA Readjuster. Okay, he said, and this was in response to, I think somebody said, who was it who sent the tweet who said basically, I think it was Dom sent out a tweet that said like the yeah, Nats like, fan yeah, base is being ridiculous yeah. about Strauss's nine run game. And uh, he said, my problem isn't Strauss. Bad outings happen. It's the frickin' pen and joking around from position players who get taken deep and a manager who puts his players in that position. Davey should be fired tonight. Dusty's team's got to playoffs. This May to June run aside, Davey's team sucks. Oof, that's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, so let's break it down. Uh, yes, bad, bad outings happen. That's normal. The only part of this I agree with. The pen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Davey's Davey's up. Yeah, Davey being fired tonight, um, I can also get behind that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's like very back and forth. He's like maddeningly inconsistent. Um, but the freaking pen and joking around for position players, yeah, like there's a time and place to joke around, have fun, whatever. But I mean, the Nats have been seemingly so like uptight in in some some of the years that they've been considered a contender that I don't necessarily mind them having fun. Like, yes, when position players are pitching and they give up long balls like of course they did expect? they're position like, they're not a pitcher right they're yeah, they're not a pitcher like the yes the pen sucks it has sucked we all know this but i mean we were trying to save the the very bad pen from being even worse by pitching position players yeah and like yeah they're gonna joke around because it's funny when you aren't a pitcher but you go into pitch and then someone goes yard off you it's absolutely hilarious it Position and players not being so overly, yeah, not being so overly serious about every single thing that happens during the course of a game throughout the course of a season is is it's fine. welcome actually to me. And I'll tell you, position players pitching is one of my all time favorite things in baseball. It cracks me up. I I think obviously some games are laughers, and it's nice when you're the team who's whooping ass on the on the opponent, and it's their guys who are pitching. But you know sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the other way around, and I thought that game was obviously awful, but watching Dozier and Para both get to pitch was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I don't need them to be, like, legitimately upset with themselves that they gave up a home run. That's ridiculous. It's, I yeah, know. I mean, it, it's fun. Like, everyone will point to the Bartolo Colon home run for why pitchers should hit. But, I mean, it's fun seeing position players pitch. Fun. Like, we've seen Pablo Sandoval pitch. We've seen Pablo Sandoval pitch. We've seen Ichiro pitch. Yeah. We've seen Chris Davis not only get a win in a ball game, but also a save. Like, I mean, position players pitching is just funny yeah. because it's you're awesome. usually down by a lot or your like your bullpen is spent because the game has gone on so long. So it just adds excitement. Yeah. Like I, I wish like rather than having a fifth starter, like every fifth game, teams just had to like have position guys pitch. Oh god, that would be awesome. that'd be fun. That would be. I'm here so for that. Fun. I am here for that. And what Dusty's teams getting to the playoffs has to do with any of this is completely beyond me. Like total non sequitur. Just thrown Dusty... into the middle of that. All right, put to bed right now. Dusty's teams had zero competition in the division. Right. I mean, look it up. Those are just facts. Like the Nats. I mean, yes, they were very good teams, but. Dusty didn't have to do a lot either because there was no competition and the team's basically just won itself. And when 
like it really mattered for Dusty to make decisions and the right decisions. He didn't, and that's why we still have never won the playoff <laughs> series. So the Dusty talk needs to stop. He's never coming back. I mean, if he was really that good of a manager, he would have another coaching. Game right, exactly. The fact now, that but no one he doesn't has because given he's him not that good. Another manager position since he left here, it tells you quite a lot. So, does Davies' team yeah. suck? I think saying this team sucks is not only way overstated, but also totally unfair to a team that has battled their asses off over and over again. And there's one thing you can say, even yeah. when they were losing a lot, it, you know, they still, this team has a lot of spirit. This team has a lot of fight. That's all worth nothing if you don't make the playoffs, but at least it's fun to watch. Yeah, the spirit of the twerk. Exactly. Exactly. They have twerk spirit. That's exactly right. But I don't know. I just, I, I think saying this team sucks is ridiculous. Like, there are teams in this league that suck, and the Nats aren't one of them. I don't think they're a World Series contender at this point in the season, but yeah, this guy is uh, way off. I'm pretty sure that the Tigers have only won like 32 games or something this year, so yeah. And what is it? It could be worse. The Mariners, who's uh, we just got Strickland and Alonso. Well, like the Marlins have only won 42 games, and they're the worst team in the NL. There's three teams worse than them in the AL. I believe it's the Tigers, Orioles, and And maybe it's just two. I think it's the Tigers, Orioles, and then the Royals are a little bit better. No, Kansas City only has four. Oh, wins. so there is three teams. Miami has. There is three teams. So yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it could be a lot worse. It could so be a lot. thankfully, we're not the Orioles. We're not. But the, the Orioles worst. still own Masson. We're so. not the worst. We're not the worst. All right. Well, I think that's. We good. suck. <laughs> we suck again. Okay. <laughs> Anything else before we wrap up? I mean, the show's just not the same without Ryan. It's not. Ryan, we guy. miss you. Yeah, we'll see Ryan next week. He'll come back to us. Dad, come back. <laughs> yeah, my dad went to go get scratchers, and then he just never came just back. never came back. Well, hopefully he will rejoin us next week. Yeah, he I must hope have he's won. having a lovely vacation. Where did he go? Do you know? <laughs> uh, he probably wouldn't want me to tell you. Okay. Fair enough. Or put it out there, but it's a secret. It's just a funny story. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, he tells you next week because it is a pretty funny story. But... All right. Well, I will look forward yeah. to that. Hopefully, he's having a good vacation. Yes, hopefully so. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us then. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and uh, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Amanda. You can get me on Twitter at a white seven eight seven seven. You can get Nick and Ryan at DZ Natchak, and you can get the show at Half Street High Heat. Check out the DMV Sports Network at the website or at DMV underscore SN on Twitter. And if you're looking to join the team, they need both writers and podcasters. They're always looking, so be sure to reach out to them. You can always get them on uh, either DMV Sports Network at Outlook.com or via Twitter. You can send them a DM. All right. Talk to you next week. See you later. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.